Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is brought to you by DeMarini. Are you ready to join the uprising? More than 150 programs around the nation have, including back-to-back Division I and II national champions, Oregon State and Tampa, and Division III national champion Keene. Log on to demarini.com backslash dnation and check out the Voodoo Minus 3 to see why the SC3 alloy is the most powerful and durable performance alloy on the market. It gives you the pop you need to go long because chicks don't dig the ground ball. The Uprising, coming to a ballpark near you. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, college style, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. Aaron, I'm so excited. I might just uh, stand up and do this podcast. It's just, uh, again, it's my favorite time of the week. College podcast. It's, I think uh, you're even more caffeinated than usual today, John. Am I right about that? No, but uh, I'm, I'm just, just, high, I'm on just high on life. Exactly. I'm just jacked and pumped, as uh, Pete Carroll would say. And I won't make the same segue I made off air just because it's a family program, even though I do want to do an R-rated podcast one day. And I got that right. But it's our final podcast, by the way, here in the Bay Baseball America podcast nook at 201 West Main here in downtown Durham. Baseball America picking up and moving this week. It'll be exciting. We're going to South Durham. New building, new podcast room, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, hopefully uh, you guys will enjoy uh, that. No interruption in your Baseball America service, but uh, we are moving this week. so I'll try not to, to wax uh, sentimental here. That's right. Uh, Neither will I. As we close this place down. <laughs> I don't think we're going to miss uh, this place. Or our, well, we do miss our old security guard, and we'll miss uh, being able to walk to Durham Bulls games instead we'll have to drive to them. But uh, and we'll drive to the USA Training Complex. Uh, should be all good for future Baseball America. But in the here and now, college podcast, college top twenty-five, going online at baseballamerica.com. Aaron, no change at the top. University of Miami still number one. Jim Morris and his ball club goes to Florida State, wins two out of three. Uh, wild Wooly Sunday game on offense in that series. Yeah, three top three spots, all ACC teams. That's a little wild, little woolly, little wacky. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. I guess the main part of that, the biggest thing of that, is that you know Miami. This was the first ranked team they played all year at Florida State. Right. They go two and one. North Carolina. North Carolina has no wins or losses, no games against teams when they were ranked in our top twenty-five. In fact, we just added it up, and North Carolina six and five this year against teams that we think are going to be in regionals. But they've dominated the rest of their schedule. They are 16-4 and four in the ACC. Florida State has actually beaten some regional teams there. Uh, I think that this record probably is not correct. Although I guess Georgia wasn't ranked when they correct. played them. So even if you factor in Georgia, they're 6-3 against top 25 teams, if you factor that in. But 5-2 and two against ranked teams, their first two losses this weekend coming against the Miami Hurricanes. But Miami 1, North Carolina 2, Florida State 3. I think it's safe to say we don't even feel that comfortable about those three teams being 1-2-3 in the rankings. Well, I feel pretty comfortable with Miami at number one. Because I do as well. I, I, I right now feel like Miami is the best team in the country, and, and they are where they, they should be. They've uh, and they've weathered injuries. They've weathered some adversity to get to this point. They have. It, it hasn't been, uh, you know, it, it hasn't been all sunshine and roses or whatever out there. Sunshine it's, and uh, non-hurricanes. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I mean, this obviously was a big weekend for them. They, they, they had a chance to make a statement at Florida State, a place where they've traditionally played very well. Uh, and 
You know, and, and breaking down the numbers, I think last week we, we figured this might be an offensive series because these are two very good offensive clubs. It's an offensive park. And you know what? I think we, we both kind of question have questioned a little bit at times the pitching staffs for both of these clubs. Correct. And it turned out this was, in fact, an offensive series. Um, and, uh, you know, in Miami, I think just... Just a little bit, uh, just a little bit better offensively, and the bullpen, uh, I think, is a strength for for both of these clubs, really. But especially for Miami, it was very good for the most part this weekend. And, and uh, you know, it's uh, I think Miami is 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 that clear number one team. I do think North Carolina's schedule is kind of a ward. I'm, I'm very curious to see how they do uh, this weekend against Florida State. It's obviously a very big series. Uh, it's in Cary, so. Is that an advantage for North Carolina? I, I suppose it's better than going to Dick Hauser Stadium. Right. You know, the main um, thing, the biggest advantage I think it'll be for North Carolina is, A, they don't have to travel. Wow, my levels are high, but they don't have to travel. And, B, they um, it's, it's not an offensive ballpark. It's a bigger ballpark. It plays big. It plays fair. We'll put it that way. Uh, and I haven't done a study on how it is when the, when the flights come in. My son loves to, to go to the Cary Ballpark as long as it's daytime so he can see the planes flying in. He, lo- he loves to see that. It's a little bit like old, like Shea Stadium used to be. You're in the flight path at the Cary uh, USA Baseball Training Complex, but I think it'll help North Carolina to be in that situation. But it'll it'll be the biggest test for North Carolina all year. It's not even close. Uh, their best series wins are like Georgia Tech. You know that's that's their best series win yeah. at Duke. You know, which is not that great. Uh, did split with Clemson this weekend. So congratulations to the Tigers for winning a game. Uh, they won. They're one. One in twelve in their last thirteen now. Right. But uh, you know, so going down to Clemson and sweeping Clemson doesn't look as good when you look at the big picture. Right. So, big picture wise, I think you're right. Miami's clearly the number one team. And when push comes to shove, if you had to pick one team in the country, Aaron, where you'd say win with offense, with all due respect to North Carolina, with all due respect to Arizona State. With all due respect to anybody else out there, you'd say Miami. Yes. That's a, that's a pro lineup. That's a lineup that's going to have four or five future big leaguers, in my opinion. Maybe and, more. And you know what? They've got some other guys that are kind of unsung in that lineup. We right. talked so much about all the All-Americans and the high draft picks, but, I mean, they've got guys that, like like Dave DiNatale, who's had a great year and had a lot of big hits for them. And really bounced Don back Severino here Don hits guy. the ball very hard, and it hit a couple of balls very hard this weekend, and... Uh, I mean, they've 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 got a it's a deep lineup. Joey Herdoslovich has been pretty good for them as a freshman stepping in. So, I mean, it's uh, it's not just the usual suspects, right? But I mean, but John, I think after the top three ACC teams, uh, things opened up a little bit, and, and, oh, a lot. and, and we really I don't think felt particularly comfortable with Missouri at number four. We didn't feel comfortable with anybody at number four. No, it, we really didn't. Um, and Missouri, you know, they they win two out of three on the road in the, in the Big Twelve. That's good. They got embarrassed on Sunday, just hammered. Uh, but then again, they kind of, you know, after after the way that game started, I think they kind of threw some arms out there. They weren't their best arms. Right. And I think uh, the, main, the main thing is we didn't have a fourth team, and Missouri, in our minds, has, has done enough to still be there. I think Missouri's been pretty consistent. There's one the series loss. Have, yeah. There's one series loss you really look at and you say, okay, they were home against Oklahoma State. They've lost two series. But the home winning is Oklahoma State, as good as Oklahoma State has been at times, as well as they've played and as well as they're playing right now, and we'll get to Oklahoma State later. I think that's a series you think that Missouri should win. But they've been very consistent all season. They have a loss here, a loss there. But uh, I think Missouri's been probably the uh, second most consistent team in the Big 12. Yeah, I know Texas A&M leads, but Nebraska's been a very consistent team all, well, all year as well. So I think Missouri's consistency is what's got it ring number four. Speaking of consistency. That, that and, and their, their incredible pitching talent. Although correct. They, Great point. Ian Berger has really started to struggle the last couple of weeks. And, and Kyle, Gibson Kyle Gibson hasn't been quite as, as good 
uh, in, he's, over the last three weeks or so. But he, he, he's you know, no he's Steven Strasburg. Let's put it that way. Now, who is who among right. us is Steven Strasburg uh, right. on the Baseball America College podcast? But we did rank Missouri four, and here's where I think it really helped there. And, and I think some people know our process, and we'll give a little more light on it here. But here's where it helped to not just have the two guys really are into it, like who are checking the web, like on the weekends. If you're not at games, you were at games this weekend. I, I was at a game yesterday. Uh, if you're not really like super into it, like we are. It really helps for other people who follow it in the office and come to the meeting to say, hey, you know, Stanford's better than Arizona State this year. Stanford's resume is better than Arizona State's. I don't think we even considered it, either of us, Stanford ahead of Arizona State coming into the ranking right. meeting, and yet there they are, Stanford 5, Arizona State 6. And the fact of the matter is Stanford hasn't lost the weekend series all year, and Arizona State in Pac-10 play is split. And this weekend, right. a bigger chink in the Arizona State armor, Aaron, they lost at home. Not just the Rosies, they lost at home to their nemesis, the O-State Ballers, Oregon State. A, and it was an unranked Oregon State team. Granted, it was Oregon State, but uh, this is not a, a team, this is not the team that, that beat them in Omaha last year. This Correct. Oregon State team has, has had its struggles. It's very young, especially in the mound. So, um, you know... Yeah, that was that was a I think a surprising series for Arizona State to lose and, and not a very good one. We're starting to see, I think, John, some of this attrition in their pitching staff that we Correct. expected to see. So I think Stanford, uh, you know, like like you said, they, they've just been so good on weekends and they've beaten so many quality teams. I mean, starting with Nebraska and you know they've gone on the road to beat Oregon State, whereas Arizona State couldn't do couldn't beat Oregon State at home. Yeah, uh, they've gone on the road to beat UCLA. They beat Arizona State head to head. Yep. I mean, it's it's uh, despite the, the midweek losses, you know, that, that have been sprinkled in, and, and they and they finally won a couple of midweek games right. this week, made us feel a little bit better about it. Uh, I think Stanford's resume is, is very very impressive, and uh, and you know we even talked about maybe putting Cal ahead of Arizona State, um, you know, and and uh, I think that really could have gone either way. Uh, Cal's resume has is is not really that different from Arizona State's resume. Arizona State was a little bit better in the in the pre-conference season. Right. Uh, but Cal's only lost one weekend series. Arizona State has lost two. When it's all said and done, it's Cal versus Arizona State. And if you're if it's if it's basically a tie, I think you do have to give the edge to the team that has the better track record as a program in the last five years. That is Arizona State. That's no offense to Cal. Hey, we've got Cal ranked seventh. We'll so. find out a little bit more about both those teams this weekend when they go head-to-head and uh, – Outstanding. Well, a big road trip for uh, for Cal, uh, which got a huge, huge walk-off RBI single by its best player, David Cooper, to win that series against Washington. I posited to you that's one of the biggest hits of the year, if not the biggest, because if Cal loses back-to-back series, especially one coming at home, I think Cal has some serious seeds of doubt in its head as to whether or not they're for real or not. So a big win for Cal. Nebraska checks in at 8. Rice checks in at 9. Georgia at 10. Uh, nothing against Nebraska, but I think Rice and Georgia's weekend's a little bit more impressive, Aaron. Oh, yeah. How about Rice dominant this week? Finally, they finally hit a really hot stretch. I guess we really should not doubt that Wayne Graham is going to get his team in a, in a stretch where they're hot. But 13-2 I mean, in, in Conference USA, and it has dominated these, a good East Carolina team, a hot East Carolina team. Right. And then Georgia, first in the Southeastern Conference by a wide margin. Which, which would you take on there first? Well, I certainly... I don't think I uh, would have doubt, doubted that Rice would end up dominating Conference USA like they always do. Uh, I mean, this is you know they're actually ahead of their pace from last year, John, through through That's forty-one crazy. games, and they won they won fifty-six games last year, and, and uh, <laughs> almost you know made the College World Series championship series. So uh, Rice, after that slow start, everyone you know kind of maybe started to wonder if they're as good as they were. 
uh, I don't know if they're as good as they were, but I knew I know that they're they're playing awfully well right now, and and they're they're going to run away with Conference USA again, like they uh, like they always do. Yeah, and that's a four to five bid league, and they dominate it. Nobody like in the Big West dominates the Big West like Rice dominates Conference USA. Nobody dominates the SEC like Rice dominates that league. No one dominates uh, any, any conference. Any conference like Rice dominates maybe whatever Earl conference. Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> the summit not quite analogous to. Conference USA. It's the Baseball America podcast. I'm John. He's Aaron. Aaron, uh, I guess the next team that really jumped out for me is uh, Oklahoma State. We did jump them up there. Uh, up to 13. Texas out of the rankings. Longhorns are in a free fall kind of skid here. And uh, Oh, I wanted to bring up one thing with Stanford, by the way. Eric Davis. Mm-hmm. Four straight complete games for the senior right-hander. And this is a little uh, bar on a page from the Pat McMahon book, and I talked to both Eric Davis and uh, Mark Marquis last weekend, and they started Eric Davis on Saturdays. And while, First of all, he's basically gotten really hot, at least four straight complete games while Jeremy Bleich has been injured, A. B, it's all conference series. Uh, C, when you have a complete game on Saturday, you go, you can fully stab. You can go Austin Yount four innings on Friday because you can bring him back on Sunday if you need to, and you're out of your bullpen. You can be aggressive. And Mark Marquez said this, they are aggressive with the way they use their bullpen on Friday, whether it's Stringer or Drew Storen or whomever, because they know they have Eric Davis on Saturday to give them at least seven, eight, and of course the last four weeks he's been his own starter, setup man, and closer. It's uh, very impressive, and he's he's a great story uh, coming back from the uh, the injury in the Cape where he nearly lost an eye, a line drive back to the box, uh, a storied high school career, big-time recruit, and also a big-time Stanford fan growing up. Grew up within a you know shouting distance of a sunken diamond, so I just think it's a good story in college baseball to see Eric Davis having the kind of year that he's having. But it's a, it's, I, a, it's a great point, John. It's it's a great story, and, and uh, uh, you know, and I think it's a it's a very smart strategy, like you said, to start him on Saturdays. So it's the way the Pabby Man used to go with uh, when the year that they were so good. The last couple of years they were so good in Florida, whether it was Justin Hoyman on Saturdays or Alan, Alan Horn, Horn on Saturdays. Right. And that's how they got to the championship series in 05. Big-time offense, bullpen Friday and Sunday, usually sidearm guys like current Angels reliever Darren O'Day and sure. personal cheese ball Connor Falkenbach. But uh, on Saturday, they had that rock start. I'm surprised more college teams don't do that. Um, following up here, again, Oklahoma State, Aaron, are you surprised they're 13? Are you, I mean, they've really got a schedule that looks like they could finish very strong. They have two midweek series that look pretty tough. They've got the Bedlam series to finish up with Oklahoma. But Texas Tech, and I believe they have Kansas left, winnable series left down the stretch for Oklahoma State. Do you think they can, is there enough time left for them to make a move and win the league, or not quite for you? You know, they, they've got a shot because really they're, they're, they're four games, I think, right now behind Texas A&M in the, pac, or in the, in the Big 12. Uh, and Texas A&M has got still a lot of uh, challenges left on its schedule. Uh, and, and, and Oklahoma State really, in my mind, has, has, has played most of the, the, the regional teams in that league already. Uh, yeah, you're right. So, yeah, I mean, they could make a run. I mean, I could see them going eight and one down the stretch in that league, like, uh, like, like we talked about earlier today. You know, I mean, they're playing what Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma. Is that right? Or Texas Tech. I think it's Kansas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. That's what it is. So, yeah, I mean, that's this team is really hot, and and honestly, I am a little bit surprised they're playing as well as they have because, you know, even even going into the Nebraska series uh, uh, last weekend. Uh, Frank Anderson wasn't feeling great about his offense, his lineup. Right. You know, they, they hadn't been scoring an awful lot of runs. You know, this is not they still this is not and they still aren't. And this is not this is not the offense that just bludgeoned teams last year with Corey Brown and Matt Mangini and those guys. I mean, 
Uh, this offense uh, still has Rebel Riddling. It yep. still has Jordy Mercer and, yep. and, and Matt Haig in the middle. And, and um, you know, Flores, the catcher, is starting to come yep. on a little bit. But uh, but it's it's not a, it's not a typical high scoring Oklahoma State offense. They've That's done exactly it. They've right. done it with with very good pitching uh, with their three sophomores. Although. Tyler Blanford has started to struggle on Sundays, and, and, and Tyler Lyons wasn't as good this weekend. Right. So really, they've done it with, with Andrew Oliver, and then and, the and then just kind of... And this weekend, against Texas, frankly, Texas is making a lot of teams' offenses look good. And that's just amazing to me uh, that Texas is struggling like that. But the biggest thing about Oklahoma State for me is, yeah, they have a series loss out of Kansas State. That's a pretty bad series loss. But the last five series in... Uh, well, the last five series in the Big 12... A&M, uh, leading the conference, they won two out of three. At Kansas State, they lost two out of three. But at Missouri, number four in our ranking, a little bit high in our minds, they went to Missouri, won two out of three. Nebraska, second in the league, won two out of three. At Texas, first team in the Big 12 history to sweep at Texas. To me, that schedule, and the fact they're 10-6 and six against top 25 teams, uh, is so impressive about Oklahoma State. I think they're a very dangerous club. And at Kansas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma left in conference with non-conference against Wichita State rise and then four against the Utah Valley State. I say watch out for Oklahoma State. They're peaking at the right time. And, I think they're I think they're going to get a number one seed in the regional, and I think they're going to host. I think at this point they've they're uh, dangerous after after sweeping Texas at Texas. I think they, they kind of put that debate that we had last week yep. to bed, and whether whether Oklahoma State <laughs> or Texas was more likely to get a host uh, site. You are correct, sir. Yes, uh, Baseball America podcast. Ed McMahon here. Weird, wild stuff, John. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> Ole Miss. Uh, could be our uh, least favored team this year. Team we ranked really high in the preseason. Actually, I, I guess UCLA has probably retired that as they lose to Stanford this weekend. Uh, but I think Ole Miss is in trouble. Yeah, they're in, they're in, they're in jeopardy. John, I think I think they're probably not going to make regionals. I just was, I was gonna I was gonna leave that alone, but you volunteered it. I think the Bruins have uh, have one of those years where maybe uh, the draft uh, having uh, this happens from time to time in college baseball. Sometimes teams respond to having a lot of juniors, and some teams, the juniors uh, shrivel up and can't handle the pressure. And this team doesn't have a real strong senior presence. It's got a lot of good juniors and a lot of sophomores. I think this team like would give their kingdom for a Tyson Brummett. You know? Yeah, well, um, that's a great point. Or their kingdom. They miss him more than anyone realizes because Tim Murphy's got great stuff. He's got a lot of strikeouts, but he has not. Uh, He's been good, not great. Right, and and and, and Gavin Brooks is. You know, been kind of up and down. Fortunately for them, Charles Brewer has has come on the last three weeks, and he did beat Stanford on on, on Sunday, um, but too little, too late. I think. I mean, they they had to win that series. I yeah, think. I thought so. They've got five series left in the league. They could still get hot. There's still time. They're still you know, talented. They, they can they can win at Washington, and maybe maybe build some momentum. But three of those five are on the road. And I just don't have the confidence in that team to get it done. Right now, it's hard to have confidence. They're in that clearly team. the most disappointing team all year. No question. Ole Miss is second because Ole Miss. Me. I mean, Ole Miss is yeah, they're they're unbelievably inconsistent, ridiculously inconsistent. I think they're more disappointing even than Arizona, even though Arizona is the, the ranked. The weird thing about Ole Miss this weekend, and you can read plenty more about them in three strikes later today, but. Uh, Lynn and Satterwhite both lost this weekend. Drew Pomerantz really has been their best pitcher. He has been their best pitcher. He is, as we had him in the uh, midseason update, he is squarely in the mix in the BA vernacular uh, for uh, freshman of the year. Um, you know, we were ta- always talk about the the rankings. We probably should talk about our midseason awards. When we did a midseason update because that's done. You, there's so much of that's online. Features, uh, comments, columns. 
Uh, Aaron Armizzi's in player of the year, Gordon Beckham. I don't think there's a whole huge debate there. Up to I 19 see, home runs now. I could see Buster, what it is right now, Posey. Oh, yeah. Or Ike Davis. Catching him. I could see Ike Davis, too. Boy, you know, Arizona State's got to be better than 7-5 and five in the league for me. Yeah. Those are the two guys. You know, like, uh, Florida State could still win the ACC. They're 18-3, and three, Miami 17-2. I could see them winning the ACC. Uh, for me, it's still, there is an MVP kind of thing in here for me. Uh, Buster Posey and Gordon Beckham to me are the top two guys. Ike Davis is third. I think it's Beckham. Aaron Ike Davis Cronin has done so ahead. much, though, for their bullpen. I mean, Arizona State now since... More since, more than Posey has done. Oh, You're yeah. Right. A lot You're right. I mean, since Jarvis, uh, Jason Jarvis uh, was ruled ineligible, he's been the guy in their bullpen. Uh, so, I mean... That's amazing, really. It is It is amazing. So it's that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I think I think this race is still pretty wide open. Beckham is certainly still the front runner as he well, was at the halfway point. I'm glad we did that Ike Davis feature in the preseason. That that, that makes me feel good. Uh, you should feel good, John. He was uh, he was good to talk to. And uh, I'm rooting for Ike. Yeah, yeah. you got to root for Ike Davis. I mean, it's four seventeen, fifteen bombs, sixty one ribeyes, twenty doubles. Uh, he walks more than he strikes out. I mean, I. Forget, no, no offense to Brett Wallace, but Ike Davis is their best hitter he this is, year. He has been. He and uh, then has. again, like you said, out of the bullpen, four wins, four saves, 26 strikeouts, four walks in 19 innings. I mean, that guy has been a savior. So you're right. He deserves to be in that category. And, and of course, I didn't realize. I knew he was their closer. I didn't quite realize the strength of his pitching, uh, of his pitching resume in his case. So I stand and, and of course, John, I mean, when it comes to our, our our actual player of the year at the end of the season, pitchers, of course, are also eligible for that. And, and, and won it the last two years with David Price and Andrew Miller. You're right. Uh, I think certainly that Aaron Crow and Brian Mattis are are, are very strong candidates as, as well. Yeah, they are. And uh, yeah, we didn't do like a midseason team of the year, those kind of things. Uh, I guess, to me, the most interesting thing about the midseason is just how up offense is. I know it's only statistically 6%, but the trends on college baseball's offense have been generally down since the bats were toned down. And this is the biggest jump in offense in college baseball since the bats uh, were made, uh, are no longer, in the words of our president, nuclear. So now that the bats are no longer nuclear and you have these, these this offensive spike and people see on weekend after weekend, I mean, I would have hated to have been an umpire at this College of Charleston Elon series this weekend. I'd hate to umpire any College of Charleston game. You're in for four hours, period. Right. That team is just... But the, the, the whole Southern Conference is just crazy offense. There's so much... There's so many double-digit scoring games this year. I guess to me that's still Same. the biggest story of the year, and it's going to keep on evolving. It's how the compacted schedule has led to more offense. I don't. I think that's another small negative against the compacted schedule. In general, I, I'm not... Against the compacted schedule in theory, but there's too much missed class time and there's too much, there's just not enough pitching for 56 games in 13 weeks. And I think I am against it because uh, I, I'm not against a, a later start date, but a, a compacted schedule, 56 games in 13 weeks, I just think is a terrible idea. Uh, the class time issue is, is a big one and, and the, the, the depletion issue, the attrition issue is, is a big one as well. I think that it's just stupid. I, I think that. You, you can I push, the the say season, push the end of the season back a week, and and, and and you remedy this thing. It's I mean I know there are scheduling issues, but that to me is the most sensible solution. Honestly, I think you just get rid of the conference tournaments, which really are not money makers for the vast majority of teams. And, you get rid of the conference tournaments, and you go uh, fourteen weeks, fifty six games, four games a week. And that's the other thing to to remember, I guess, is that Pac ten. Big West don't have conference tournaments, so maybe there's less compaction for those teams right. because they can kind of spread their 
uh, they get an extra week to get their their games in. Well, the, of course, all these teams, most of these teams, are taking a week off for for exams, which adds to the compaction. And you know, Mark Mark was talking to me last week about how that stretch of I think five weeks in a row with five games because of the exams. North Carolina, eight weeks in a row with five games a week. That is the one thing about North Carolina's schedule that you do have to give them credit for. They have grinded out a ton of games already this year. Um, yeah, they've played. Yeah, Miami's played 37 games. North Carolina's played 41 games. And, and the other thing about them, that's, China a, that's is, a difference. Is they have just plain dominated. I mean, if you look yeah, at their, their ERA as a staff, I think it's 2.17. 2.15 team ERA and opponents 6.79. There it is. That, I mean, that's, that's dominance. That speaks, that's if you're going to play non top 25 competition, crush it. Uh, and one last thing, just to show you how good these two guys are, our player of the year candidates. Gordon Beckham, 1440 ops, and uh, Buster Posey, 1429 ops. I still give the edge to Beckham because he's not playing. In John, what about Hauser. Josh Applebaum from uh, Chicago State who's, who's, who's got a 1608 ops ahead you know, of both I, of those? I guys. really had a thing for Josh's uh, sister, Benita. Benita Applebaum. <laughs> you got it going on. Sorry, it's an old school tribe called Quest Reference lost on our Matt Myers classic rocker one, here. Sure. Fit. Uh, you got to love the old man manual here, the old married guy making the hip-hop reference. On the Baseball America College podcast. Aaron, final thought before we wrap up. We could go 20 more minutes, but I love the college podcast. God, it's fun. You know, I think that's about it for me. It was a, it was a very interesting week in college baseball. A lot of a lot of weird scores, high-scoring games, a lot of a lot of walk-off walks, it seemed like, around the country. That's uh, just fun to say. It's, a, it's just a, a very uh, peculiar weekend, I thought, with, uh, with pitching. The one consistent factor being shaky pitching. There's a lot of shaky pitching. And that's, one thing we should also say... Next weekend schedule: Miami against Virginia. Uh, can Virginia actually play beat a good team? Arizona Not State road, and Cal. Man. I don't think so either. Cal at Arizona State. You mentioned that one already. Florida State and North Carolina. Look at these matchups are awesome. UC Irvine at uh, Aaron Fitz Sleeper, New Mexico. Missouri Texas. Missouri A&M. at Texas A and M. Uh, I mean, the, 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 this next weekend in Nebraska, Baylor. Can Baylor uh, get her done? Uh, Southern Cal and Stanford. Another big series. Rice and Central Florida. Central Florida for real. Uh, science point to know for me. Georgia, Florida, world's largest uh, cocktail party baseball style? Uh, probably not. Uh, not even the SEC's biggest cocktail party, but Fulton against UC Davis. Is UC Davis for real? I mean, their pitching's for real. Vanderbilt, Kentucky. I mean, there are just so many good series next weekend. Uh, I think uh, there's, there, there'll be plenty to talk about on next weekend's Baseball America podcast, next Monday's podcast from our new location, 4319 South Austin Avenue. I'm looking forward to it. As am I. Aaron Fitt. Thank you so much. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.